Happy Monday. Happy Masterful Living. So grateful to connect and be with you now. Hmm. So grateful for divine love leading us and guiding us. Infinite intelligence. All that there is. So grateful and thankful right now to open ourselves to the unprecedented. So grateful to say yes to divine inspiration. An activity of love is happening in our very being and it's happening right now. So grateful and so thankful to consciously attune to the infinite love of God. So grateful and thankful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and say yes, 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 yes. Taking this breath of love and gratitude, we are partnering up with the higher Holy Spirit self to remember that our true nature and our true identity is perfect. We're already perfect, whole, and complete. We're already perfectly lovable. We're already pure spirit. Nothing needs to be improved upon. Nothing is broken. Nothing needs to be fixed. And we're grateful and thankful to join together for the purpose of this realization, for the purpose of remembering the truth that does indeed liberate us and set us free. We're grateful and thankful to remember that we have a holy mission to be our true self. We have a holy mission to recognize the love of God is all that there is and all that we are. In grace and in gratitude, we are joyfully sharing the benefits with everyone because we are one with them. In gratitude, we are calling upon the ancestors. In gratitude, we're calling upon all that is holy and heavenly within ourselves and the company of heaven that supports us in every moment, in every activity. We are in the flow of love. So we are consciously recognizing I am that I am and I am one with the I am presence of every being everywhere. No one is left out. No one better. No one worse. All one. This is our healing. It's our restoration and we're claiming it right now. So grateful. In gratitude, we joyfully allow it to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, indeed. Well, I have a bunch of things to share with you. So grateful for that. I have to say, I just absolutely love being able to share. I love being able to share what means so much to me. It means everything to me and that you join with me in order to participate in this awakening. It is the greatest gift that we get to be together. 
Let us receive it fully. Let us share it fully. Yes. Mm. So, to that end, um, I, uh, first of all, I'd like to just say something kind of technical, which is that if you think of a question during the week and you know that you won't be able to be in the class to ask the question, you can still type it in the question box. Usually we change out the question box the next day. So basically between Wednesday and Monday, uh, all the way through the class time, you can add a question to that question box. And so you have not many days in which you can add a question there, and then I'll answer the question when the class time comes. So I'd like you to just make sure you know that because some people let me know they weren't aware of that. So there you go. Makes it easy because I know not everyone can be here at class time. In fact, the majority of people listen later. All right. So I uh, I so appreciate the sharing of Miles about his Vipassana experience. And uh, Miles, I wonder if you would like to share with us live or I can just read your post from the Facebook group because not everybody's in Facebook. I, I hope you don't mind me calling upon you, but I see you are here with us today. I'm going to unmute you. Hey, Miles. Hi. Hi. Would you uh, be willing to, or would would it make sense for you to share uh, your experience with us live on the phone, or shall I read what you wrote in Facebook? I I think I'd be happy to share on the phone. Awesome. It's been a few days now. It was last week, right? Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, you, yep. Yeah, time flies. <laughs> um, well, I'll probably just recreate what I shared in Facebook. Yeah, what was your experience like? Yeah, it was, well, first of all, uh, several days later, it still, it still lingers as a, not just a memory, but a living experience. So it doesn't just happen and then go away. Mm -hmm. It's still going on for me. And I, I found it was really, I thought it was going to be really difficult. It wasn't really that difficult. It just takes resolve. And I became aware of that somewhere early in the day. And that is, it isn't, it isn't like something that's real, like hard work or something mm -hmm. where, you know, you get tired and you just can't do it anymore. It really <laughs> just takes resolve and it's so worth the effort. So my first, my earliest experience when I was doing it was that I realized how much I, all so much of my life is is a distraction from just being and how much thought uh that goes on is simply a 
recording that just goes on and on and on and on. And, and I, 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 I saw, I had a lot of thoughts early in the day about work. And every time I had a thought about work, I noticed my body tensed up, which I found was really interesting. So I know that mean I know that to some degree work is a distraction for me. And then and then um uh let's see. Uh or late uh, late in the morning I and I'm really I was doing everything I could just to, just to pay attention to my thoughts. And mm-hmm. in in the late morning I had this I started thinking, I don't remember why I did, but I started thinking about my childhood and I really had this experience. I've, I've, I probably told some of this story of this before, but I had this experience of missing love. Like my father loved me and then in my experience he didn't and I missed it and I wanted it. And I realized that from really toddler age on, a lot of my life was about getting, getting, getting love back. Like earning love or deserving love or doing the right things to get love. And it was very sad for me. And so I had a lot of emotion come up. I cried for a while. Um, not just, not just tears, but really crying. And, uh, at some point I just stopped and I went, well, love was, love is always here. And I was looking for it there. And then I was, you know, I, I felt relieved and I was fine and I was glad I had the experience. Um, and then, and then I, I think the biggest thing was later in the day when I, I started, for some reason, I started praying. I not only had thoughts, but I, I, I actually reread. I didn't put this, I don't think, in my, in the Facebook thing. Because I, I think I was cheating a little bit, but I reread the instructions for uh, doing that Vipassana day, and I I realized that I hadn't been really really releasing thoughts. I'd just been watching thoughts, mm. and so I started releasing thoughts, and I started doing the thing about. I'm done with this. Take it away from me. Give it to the violet flame. And after a little bit, I was, and I was all, I was home all alone. And after a little bit, I was saying it out loud, but loud and mm-hmm. sternly. Mm-hmm. Take this away from me. I'm done with this. I don't, I don't need this anymore. Give it to the violet flame. Let it devour it and be done with it forever. And not just for me, but for everybody. And it, I was building, I was building uh, uh, 
the volume was getting louder. And then at mm-hmm. some point I stood up and I was yelling. Yeah. And my, I was, my arms went up in the air, my fists were closed and I was going, I was, I would do it. And then I'd go, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> and then laugh my butt off. Yes. You know, <laughs> yes, exactly. It was just like that. And I felt so great. I felt so cleansed. Yeah. I felt so free. Yeah. A- a- and, um, and then, you know, then I went to bed. <laughs> what can I say? But the, but the, there, there are things that definitely are gone. Like fear, I swear, fear is gone. And, um, this notion, I realized sometime during the day or through the whole day, I realized that all worry and all thinking about, I think about things like bad things are going to happen. Just, it's just the, the tendency of my mind to think like that. Oh, it's, there was a storm, by the way, while this whole thing was going on. And I would think like, oh, it's going to flood in the town and it's, our electricity is going to go off and all that stuff. And then I realized bad stuff doesn't happen. There is no bad stuff. And I just, it was just this revelation that yes. there's no, there's no payoff for thinking like that. Mm-hmm. And I just, literally, I just stopped. And honestly, I've stopped. Mm-hmm. I don't think that way anymore. So if, if, if for nothing else, it was, it was worth it, way worth it for that. But just all in all, I'm really grateful. I also, I thought a lot of it. I thought some about, Gee, I wish I had done this earlier in the year. And then I realized I did it the perfect time. You know, I did it when I was ready yeah. and it was the perfect time for me. You did it when you had maximum willingness. Yes. 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 And willingness, I said resolve, but resolve is a function of willingness. Mm-hmm. You said something about this in the last class about courage being just the willingness, and I love that. Yes, I love that too. (laughs) (laughs) It's so the that's the thing about the truth is it so feeds us because it's our true nature. It so feeds us that it's opens up our heart to a love. And uh, I'm going to share, too, what you wrote um, at the end of your post in the Masterful Living Facebook group. You wrote wrote the last paragraph you said, was it worth it? It was worth 10,000 times what effort it took. I, I know there are some negative things that I am truly done with. I know absolutely that bad things are not going to happen. 
I am not afraid. I am done with using my imagination for negative outcomes. I am done with worry. Yes. And I, what I'd like to point out here, Miles, is you had resistance. You had reluctance. Yes. Obviously, it's October. Okay. And, and this is something I suggest to people doing in Finding Freedom. Uh, right. And, and uh, as well as in Masterful Living. So, in a sense, it's been a year before yep. you decided to do it. Yep. And so you had resistance, you had reluctance, and ve- very often we have the most resistance and the most resu- reluctance to work with the very, very things, the very mm-hmm. tools that will bring us the greatest healing, the greatest breakthrough. We have the most resistance, the most re- reluctance. Because uh, uh, the ego just pumps it up. To, to keep us from having the revelation. Because the revelation of truth is liberation. And the ego knows it. Because all power comes from God. All power comes from God. It comes from our God true nature. It comes from our loving heart. That threefold flame in our heart. Our God self. And so... The ego knows if we tap into that, there's no going back. And and so there's the most resistance to the most healing things. This is why so many people resist doing the actual work and practices. It's not because they're bad or wrong or stupid or lazy or any of that. It's that they're more aligned with the ego mind system, and so they're less interested, just less interested in or less believing in the possibility of healing. Their their energy is more consumed with managing and coping. But as we begin to clear away the patterns of separation and negativity, we free up energy that gives us the strength, which is the willingness, to simply do something with the belief or the hope or the intention, depending on where we are, that it will bring us some benefit. So what I hear is, in your process of the day, something clicked in and you realized, oh, wait a minute, I'm just looking at these thoughts. I could actually be giving them to the Holy Spirit too. Right. So, And this is what happens for many people during that Vipassana day is there comes a tipping point in the day where it goes from being just reviewing the litany of negativity and reviewing the uh, what um, uh, Michael Beckwith, I've heard him call it, uh, he calls it the devil's pitchfork, <laughs> which are the three things that most people are focused on all the time when they're ego identified. It's the things that they're craving, wanting, needing, uh, the things that they hate. And uh, what was the third one? 
the things that they fear. Right. So that that's where most of our attention goes when we're ego identified. And so that's that's often what happens at the first part of the Vipassana day. And it can seem like, oh, well, this isn't good. This isn't helpful. Uh, but the truth is, for all, every single person I know that's ever done this reported back to me, at some point during the middle of the day or the later part of the day, they have a breakthrough. And their mind opens to their God self. And then the healing starts. Do you have any any recollection of... Uh, anything else to tell about that kind of tipping point in your day? Um, anything else you can remember? Well, maybe this, maybe um, it was. There was kind of a, a a loosening or a letting go. Like when I described standing up and and yelling this out, I mean I was I was not in control. And and when I say that, I sort of say it with parentheses with a with quotation marks around it because it's I I wasn't holding anything back. all I can say. Well, what I hear is that you reached a a point where you realized, I could give these to the Holy Spirit. And as you began to do that, you felt the power in that. And so you, you, you began to do it with great emotion. Yeah. Yes, and the but the emotion was the emotion was exuberance. Actually, somebody used the word jubilation in a Facebook share today or yesterday. It was it was jubilation for me. Why jubilation? What's why do you think it was that feeling? Because it was it was. It was it was the it was joy expressing uninhibited uninhibited with 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 intention though I don't I don't know how to say it <laughs> well. For me, I didn't. I didn't feel like me. I was nothing was held back, and I just did it. I just was doing it. I didn't. I didn't yeah. plan it. Yeah. It was just happening. That's the true self. That's being in tune with the infinite. Yeah. 
Because what I feel is that jubilation that you're talking about, it comes from in the moment knowing that time and space and efforting are not required for our healing. Right. It's just that total willingness. You sat down that day or you began that day, you planned it the day before with some willingness. Yes. You cleared your schedule. You made arrangements. You made a plan. You followed through. So your little willingness was like a little flame. And as you sat there hour after hour, your flame is building. The fire is building. It's building. It's building. It's building until you have the realization, Holy Spirit, I can give these things to the Holy Spirit. I don't have to just look at them. They're coming up for healing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, I, I just I, I remembered something just now. Uh this was like after dinner mm-hmm. and before dinner because I was you know, eating was sort of a break. Oh yeah. A and, distraction. Yeah, it was a, it's a it's a dist- it's a legal distraction. <laughs> yeah. And, and I when I was thinking about dinner I was thinking about all the good things I could pull together to make and uh, I could have a drink or two and stuff like that. And I was going, you know, I could just be done. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's six o'clock. I could just be done. I, you know, I've, I, I've given it, I've given it a good part of the day and I was, I really was tempted. I, and I think I said this in, my, in the Facebook thing too, but I, I, I really didn't, I didn't want to do it. I really believe if it wasn't for the Masterful Living community, I would have stopped. Mm. I I could not have done it without a community. Mm-hmm. And 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 then and then and then I uh, that was the that was the only time I was tempted. How how did the community help you? Just I I didn't want to go back the next day and. Say well, I stopped at six o'clock. Hmm. It 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 gave me some strength. Mm-hmm. So then, what happened after dinner? That was when I. That's when I. Yeah. Did you have a drink at dinner? No, I didn't have a drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, I made a I, I made a pretty good dinner though out of leftovers. It was actually very good, <laughs> but it, it was all good stuff. I mean, I had some old fat, some fennel that I had to get rid of, and I mixed it up with my my I had brown rice that I had pre-made. So I had rice and fennel and onions, and I had some really good spices in it. It was delicious, actually. Mm. Somebody asked me, I'll give you the recipe. <laughs> so By that's the, way, the thing. You, you you could have given up. You gave yourself, in a sense, you were, you, you I can hear, you gave yourself permission to give up. Well, I had, I had justifications for giving up, yeah. 
Yeah. But you didn't. Why didn't I you? Didn't. I, Again, I really... I didn't because I didn't want to... Well, the real truth is I didn't because I knew what was coming. There you go. Thank you. Just... I, I I could feel there was something else there, so I, so I just had to ask it again. Yeah, you know, what, one other thing I, I wanted to say about, because we were talking about, uh, you know, it's October and, you know, I have resistance and all that stuff. I, I've, my resistance or or the conscious part of my resistance was more, you know, I've done so many of these kinds of things. I've been to silent retreats and for a week and, and I've been to, you know, I've, I've done one day things where you looked in the mirror all day or something. I mean, I've done all these things for years and years and years. I, I, I you know, I'm so sophisticated relative to that's a, and I mean sophisticated in a yucky way relative to spiritual practices and, and I in my mind it was like well you know I've done these things before it would be a nice thing to do I'm sure I'll get something out of it um, but really I've you know done all these things and that was mostly that was more I think at least from a conscious point of view, that was where my resistance was. Did I lose you? No. Okay. My computer went off all of a sudden. And and um, luckily, or not just luckily, I didn't. It none of that was present for me. It was like I was a baby at it all day. It was like I was new at this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of saying that if anybody else says that same thing, forget it. Forget about it. I'm from New Jersey. I can say that. <laughs> forget about it. Yeah, forget about it. Mm-hmm. Let me see, Miles, if anybody has any questions for you about this. Um, okay. Uh, I didn't know. Right. I so, I'm having fun. Good. I'm glad. I know people very much appreciate your authenticity and your sharing. So start to, to raise your hand. Does anybody have a question for Miles or for me? Any questions about what we're talking about here? Or any com- comments? Just anybody like to comment? Star two. Has anybody else done the one day uh, Vipassana that would like to share? All right, I guess uh, we're complete on this then. Thank you, Miles. Oh, thank you for for bringing it up. And you're welcome. (laughs) All right. Uh, I'll put some information in the the Facebook group 
uh, I would like to remind everybody that really what with my instruction that's in the workbook on the one day Vipassana, it's um, it's not a true Vipassana at all, really. Uh, and I will put uh, a link in the Facebook group to the Worldwide Vipassana Organization where through them you can go a, and do a true Vipassana, uh, which is a 10-day silent meditation retreat, and they teach you how to do Vipassana meditation. Um, it's very common for quite a number of people in Masterful Living to go and do that 10-day Vipassana retreat. It's actually kind of interesting that nobody has done it this year that I'm aware of, uh, that I recall. Could be wrong about that. Um, usually... Um, uh, a bunch of people will do it. It's uh, you, a great time to do it is Christmas time for a lot of people. It just depends on your family obligations. Um, has anybody done a 10-day that's uh, listening on the line right now? Star 2, if you'd raise your hand, you could share a little bit about it. I did one uh, maybe five or six years ago, and... Um, I I really appreciated it. I've talked about it some in class, and um, I think it's a wonderful gift that you give yourself uh, that's filled with many, many breakthroughs, much, much healing, uh, particularly very, very healing for people who have physical body stuff is what I know, and people who have tremendous emotional stuff or mental monkey mind um uh, it's very common for people to have a completely life-changing breakthrough. And um, there's no cost. It's a donation only. Um, when I went, the, f the food was good and plentiful. And um, it was quite, uh, for me, it was... Uh, lovely to just have that stillness. But I, I really like silent meditation retreats. For other people, it's very challenging to be in the silence and and not be able to journal and read and listen to music and do yoga and things like that. So uh, it's not for everyone. However, uh, I don't know anyone who's done it and not had breakthroughs. So there, there you go. I'll put that link in the Facebook group. All right, um, let's see. One of the, I'm going to just check and see if anybody's written anything in. No one has. And um, Kristen had written uh, to me and um, asked if I would speak about the purity affirmations. She wrote and said, I know you've suggested often to use them, but when I say them, I get this feeling like I don't really understand what I'm saying. Specifically, the lines, I am the purity of my desires, I am the purity of my thoughts and feelings, I am the purity of my choices. Am I saying all my desires are pure? What does purity mean? So I'd really like to thank Kristen for her question because sometimes, and I will uh, take responsibility for this, sometimes Things seem obvious to me that are not obvious to other people, and I don't know it. So when people ask me questions, 
it's so helpful and that's why I say usually very often in the beginning of the year if you have any questions please ask them because it's a guarantee that in in a group of this size that if you have a question you are not the only one so it's an act of service to ask the question so the purity affirmations are for the purpose of purification so the thing is that our mind our our beingness rather our true nature our spiritual nature is already pure we're already as holy as holy can be is what i say and this is one of the uh, lovely teachings of a course in miracles that says stop trying to be more holy you can't become more holy it's not possible so stop thinking that you're not holy because that's the only thing you need to let go of all the belief in impurity or unholiness or badness or wrongness or deficiency of any kind is false it's always false so the only thing that we're letting go of is these false beliefs that the ego mind clings to miles experience is is one of purification that's the purpose of that vipassana day it's like a day of purging purging the mind of what we've grabbed on to in our ego identification the beliefs that we've grabbed onto that aren't actually true so the purity affirmations are for the purpose of purifying our awareness of the thoughts that aren't true remember how I say awareness is curative so the more we remove the clutter in our mind which really it's so simple to give it to the higher self the holy self the holy spirit whatever you'd like to call it giving it away like miles was talking about then what's revealed the revelation that happens in our mind is of the truth that we're already as holy as holy can be and then our joy emerges that jubilance emerges so miles experience is a perfect uh, example of how this works so the purity affirmations what they do is whenever we say I whenever we say I am and even whenever we say my because we are the living loving presence of God we're directing God energy to fulfill our thoughts and make them manifest in the world of form so our I thoughts our I am thoughts and our my statements any of these statements and anything that we think where we're putting our energy of belief and emotion into it then it's going to manifest and demonstrate in the world of form according to its nature so this is why a belief in lack and limitation and statements of lack and attack lead to our feeling upset worried fearful every time so people ignorantly 
which is different than stupidly, ignorantly, they think that they can judge people that they see on the news, people on television, their neighbor across the street, the the one across uh, the aisle or down the hall or whatever it is, and say they're an idiot, uh, they don't know what they're doing, um, they have so many problems, they're never going to understand me. They're never going to love me the way I want them to. All these different thoughts, they have to manifest in form. This is what we've been talking about in revisiting the power of prayer. And our thought, combined with our belief, is a power that can literally move mountains. So we're investing it so often in things we don't wish to see made manifest. So what happens is, and we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, when the answered prayer doesn't seem to show up. Well, if we pray for five minutes in the morning to no peace, and then we spend the next ten hours thinking thoughts of complaint, thoughts of lack, attack, and limitation, our answered prayer is more likely going to show up as experiences of lack, limitation, doubt, fear, worry, anxiety. So remember, we're working in the invisible all the time with our thoughts and our emotions. Whatever we invest our attention in, it's going to become manifest some way or another. So remember always the world of form is our thought. It is our emotions. And it's our physical body and the way our physical body feels or seems to feel. And then it's also what's going on in our circumstances, situations in the world of effects. And because we are the living, loving presence of God, the world of form, the ethers, the elementals, so uh, the, the molecules and the atoms, the cells, all these uh, aspects of life, they don't have a way to argue with us. So, for instance, if we keep thinking thoughts of a self-attack, and self-limitation, um, self-hatred, then it's going to show up in our face, in our countenance. It's going to show up in our cellular structure, in our physical being. Some way, some way, it has to show up. The ethers of life, they do not have a choice because our mind is the Christ mind. And so if we direct that it is so, it will be made so. The thing is, is we think, well, I'd like to direct that I have a life of joy. Well, you can do that. And all it requires is to stay focused on that and to not want something else. To not wish for something else more than that. 
And this is wherein our challenges lie. So we do prayer for a few minutes and we put our attention on that and then oftentimes our focus goes the rest of the day. This is why Masterful Living is a year-long class because it takes people at least a year, usually, just to be willing to really put some real attention on this and not just listen to the classes, but to actually do things like do the work, do the workbooks, uh, pray with the prayer partners, and really get in there and think about things and and look at what's really going on and to take real responsibility for the life that we have made. And instead of taking blame for it and shaming ourselves and feeling bad and wrong to go, oh my gosh, look how powerful I am. I was so focused on lack and limitation and misery and self-hatred, I created a life that totally looks like that. I must be incredibly powerful. Well, now that I have demonstrated that and I've experienced that, as much as I would like to feel complete with that, my learning feels really complete with that, I'm tired of suffering. I I feel like I've learned as much as I can from suffering and I can say, okay, done with that. Now, moving swiftly on, (laughs) I'm going to put my attention and focus on what I am truly destined to do, which is to experience a life of joy, a life of true abundance, and to experience the power and the presence of my own immaculate heart. Let me get about the business of my mother, father, God, which is my true nature. Now I feel ready. Today I start. And to not judge when we don't do it perfectly, just like you wouldn't judge a child who is learning to walk. You wouldn't judge them. You wouldn't say, oh, stupid little monkey, you keep falling down. Why are you even bothering? You'd never say that to a child learning to walk. You would say, You can do it. You can do it. Let me help you. Yes, look at you. You're doing it. You're doing it. And that's exactly what I learned to say to myself. Look at you. You're doing it. Instead of biting their head off, you got a little annoyed and frustrated, but you didn't really take it out on them. Look at you. You are transforming, Jennifer Hadley. Oh, my God. You know, in in previous times when that happened, you would have totally bit their head off and made them feel like a fool, but you didn't go there. Congratulations. Transformation is happening. And I, I made a bottom line in my life. I am not going to judge myself anymore. That is done. And when the temptation came, nope, I am not thinking those thoughts. I am not going there. Not doing that anymore. And then my healing quickened because I was practicing self-love, self-kindness, self-appreciation, self-care. And I began to get better and better at it. And one of the best tools in my self-care is and was the I am 
statements, the purity affirmations that you have in your workbook. And in workbook number three, it's page 35. And so the I am statements are putting the full power of God into these statements. And so when we say I am the purity of all my desires, what I'm, I'm saying is God is the purity of all my desires. My God self, my true self, which is already pure, is the purity of all my desires. And what I'm doing is I'm invoking the I am presence to purify my desires so that instead of desire for pleasure, desire for things of this world, I am purifying my desire to be the desire of the heart to know my true self, to live as my God self. I am the purity of all my thoughts and feelings. It's a purification. I'm calling for my I am presence to purify all my thoughts and feelings. Now, this is important to understand about the power of your word. By saying, I am the purity of all my thoughts and feelings. I'm not saying, I am. Please purify my thoughts and feelings as though it's going to happen later. It's going to happen even in the next moment. Happening somewhere in the future, unpredictable, it's not now. I'm not saying that. By making these statements in this way, I'm saying it's now. I am the purity of all my thoughts and feelings. So it's not saying I am the purity of what my thoughts and feelings will be sometime in the near or distant future. I don't know when, up to God, not me. No, I'm standing in the power of the God presence that is called I am. I representing the Father God essence am representing the mother God essence, calling the mother, father God of my very being into action to purify all my thoughts and feelings. So this is an alchemical experience that happens. I am so glad, Kristen, that you asked about this. Does anybody have any questions here? It's so valuable to understand this. And sometimes it's challenging to articulate things that um, can really only be understood in a feeling way, not in an intellectual way. But it still is helpful to discuss it. Does anybody have any other thoughts or questions about this? Okay, Deb is raising her hand. Hey, Deb. Hi. Hi. I, I've never heard I as the masculine and am as the feminine. So where does that come from? I'd just like to know more about that. 
I mean, like from the Hebrew scripture or, you know, where does that, how do we know that? Well, uh, there's the, hmm, how do I know that? I don't know how I know it. Okay. <laughs> hmm But you see, this this is part of the mystical alchemical aspect of the masterful living teaching, which is that uh, we have the the masculine and the feminine God nature coming together in our heart and giving birth to the Christ. And what I know is that if I say I, that's one thing. But when I say I am, I feel my whole heart coming together in this. And I feel that revelation, energy moving through me. So I've trained myself that if I start to say I or I am statements that I don't wish to see made manifest, I correct myself. You know, one of the challenges I had was when my mother uh, was struggling with uh, cancer, she would almost always say, my cancer. And I was not her teacher, so I didn't say to her, you know, if you really don't want to have cancer, you might want to stop saying my cancer and taking ownership of it and claiming it as yours. You might say the cancer, which is no part of me. Um, trying to think. I, I, I think that in uh, Patricia Cota Robles' Living a Course in Miracles class that I put into the year one podcast, the Masterful Living 2015 podcast, I think that Patricia talks about the I am in there because she usually does. And um, I seem to recall her talking about that. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, sometimes you get insight that doesn't come from an intellectual teaching or a book that you got. And usually in my classes, I don't share things that I haven't experienced, even if I've also read it in a book. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I appreciate, yeah, and, and not having read a lot of scripture, I I I um and and a lot of the scripture that I have read has been edited by people who had political agenda. It's I don't know what to point you towards, but I think it's a really good question, Deb. I will I, have, I think it I know I've read about I am in the violet flame. I don't remember it. Uh, described that way, but I I love that book, and maybe it's time to go back and look at it again. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll I'll open my mind to uh, some teaching on that to share. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You are welcome. Thank you, Deb. All right. Anything, any other thoughts or questions on the purity affirmations? Has anybody been working with them that has felt that they're experiencing the purification? They would be willing to share. Well, I'm not sure if that means that nobody's experienced something or nobody's willing to share. Well, uh, what I um, intend is that to have more clarity, perhaps more people would be inspired to put their whole heart into working with those purity affirmations in much the same way that Miles shared about um, using those statements and leading to his uh, wonderful experience of liberating and jubilation. Carla's raising her hand here. Carla's in year two class. Hey, Carla. Um, I just had a thought that I've actually been thinking about this for a while, but Wanting to discover more of that Mother God energy because um, I had this, like, stern Father God that I've um, had most of my life, and I'm releasing Mm. that thought. Mm. Um, But um, the thinking I have, something came to me that I kind of spoke to me about... um, in discovering more about the mother God and what came to me is and I don't know if it's the world's view because women tend to be nurturers and that came to me more that was um, the nurturing part but I I don't know can you speak about that because I'm interested in uh, or even if you know of anywhere to read or or anything to discover that I'd be interested. Yeah. Well. Um, so that divine mother energy, you can get a direct download by contacting the divine mother ascended masters such as Kuan Yin and Mother Mm -hmm. Mary and Kali, Red Tara or the Taras. So you could, if you like, you could read and discover about them. And they all represent different aspects of the Divine Mother. The Divine Mother has many faces. Mm -hmm. 
And that divine mother energy is that energy of love, which uh, can cut through anything, cut through all illusions. And it is the creative power in the universe. So you think of everything in this world being representative, being symbolic, everything, 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 everything. So the Divine Mother, Divine Feminine, being symbolized in this world in so many different ways. So the feminine of the species is usually the one that gives birth, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that birthing, that is a quality of the Divine Mother, that being able to call things into being, that creation energy. That's what love is. And there's wonderful passages in A Course in Miracles about creating versus making things in the world. Aligning with our God self with pure intention. This is one of the things that uh, Hugh Lynn talks about in um, Zero Limits. That when you have purified your mind of the ego identification, then you don't need intention anymore because you're in that divine connection with spirit where it's about how can I express and give birth to more love, more perfection, more beauty, more creativity, more wisdom, more clarity. And so when we're truly in our loving heart and divine divine alignment with both the mother father god principles, then we're going to be feeling that sense of um uh what's the word? um wanting to give birth to great expressions of joy and beauty and truth and in this world. Mm-hmm. So that that's the, the mother principle is that uh, great, uh, Mother Earth is the perfect representation of that because she takes no matter what we give her, no matter what we offer to her, no matter what our display is, she turns it into something. She transforms it. And she can be, um, she takes our our energy of thought, of attack and hatred and revenge and all of that, and she transforms it into weather patterns and all of these things. And we think of Mother Earth as being the the most creative being we know, right? Uh, you know, while you're speaking, the one word that comes to my mind a lot, and I don't know that it's solely mother, but the one word is allow. It's huge. So how is creating? It's because you allow it, right? Allow it to happen. Yes, you you call you hold it in your mind, you call it into being, and you allow it to be made manifest. 
-hmm. So if we're not in that space of experiencing what we would like, then it is always because we have stopped allowing it and we've put our attention on something else. Yeah, I'm still, it's it's a huge part of my life to kind of release and uh, let go and the the meaning I make mm-hmm. <laughs> of so many things. I understand. And, and so allowing is huge. If I if I allow, then I'm it, it is that releasing. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Rob is raising his hand here. Hello, everyone. Great to be on the call. Um, I just wanted to thank Miles for his transparency. <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm in a car with Junior now. So if there's a background noise, let me just walk outside to get rid of the background noise. Hang on. Um, so hopefully that's better. Um, long story short, thank you for your transparency, Miles. And uh, what's become apparently and abundantly clear to me is the need to um, start more of a practice and do it and do it more consistently because um I'm making a long story really short because I'm having those negative thoughts and the doubt and the lack and the limitation and and I don't and I don't and um we removing them more um and not doing what you had talked about um in terms of you're doing the ten minutes or whatever in the morning and then letting 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 the what I call mental junk uh accumulate during the day. Um I think it's really vital for you to do that and I'm simply just making a commitment to do that and I will keep you posted in terms of how that's going. Beautiful. Thank you, Rob. So that's what I wanted to say. Thank you. Great. Great. So. Yeah. Well, and um, I'm going to mute you out because uh, I've got uh, something else I'd like to cover now. And the thing for you to know, Rob, is, and for everyone to know, is that consistency increases our willingness, which there's a momentum. So imagine that you've got a fire. And you're looking to build that fire to, let's say, a certain temperature to have a breakthrough, to get, let's say, to that tipping point or a boiling point. So you put some, some, you nurture that fire for uh, uh, a day, you know, 10 minutes or 20 minutes or half an hour and then oh another week later you nurture that fire a little bit that fire is going to really have diminished uh, in between so I would say to you rather than just do like two hours of reading and listening to things on the weekend if you can even do just five minutes of powerful prayer practice with intention 
each day, you're going to keep building the momentum of that fire. It's going to be more powerful for you. So I'm, I'm really grateful for your share. Uh, some other things that I would like to share, somebody had asked about, and I've forgotten who it is right now, but somebody had asked me about the uh, different dimensions. So our human experience in density of form is third dimensional vibration. Uh, some people say third density and fifth dimensional awareness is when you can see beyond time and space. You can then, it's ascended master awareness, fifth dimensional, uh, fifth and above. So when we, our mind opens to a fifth dimensional awareness and we're able to see beyond time and space. We see what everything is for. We see what the illusion is for. We've moved out of non-judgment. We're not making mistakes anymore. We're not suffering anymore. It's really worth aspiring to. And we're all going to get there. We're all going to get there. In, in a, and we've, we've chosen this human experience of incarnation and reincarnation as the fastest path to this quickening of our light body and our God self. We've chosen it precisely because it's so intensely challenging. Seriously, we are all the ones who said, oh, 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 yes, I, I would like to, yes, I want to go for the extreme. The extreme where like if we were all going to an amusement park, we're the ones that said, I want to go on the most extreme roller coaster that you have. That's the one I want to go for first. Let me just give that a go. And so we all signed up for this experience of karma and reincarnation and so we're getting close to the end of the experience we're purifying we're quickening and we can do i believe we can all do it in this lifetime if we choose it i really do but we have to actively choose it we have to actively choose it and every single one of us knows the difference between actively choosing something and passively saying yeah, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm with those that tribe of people. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with the tribe of people who are going for it, but I'm, I'm not at the front of the pack. I'm, I'm in the, I'm, I'm bringing up the rear, right? So the idea of being in a group like Masterful Living is, you're in a group where, the the people who are really aggressively going for it, really doing the work and having the breakthroughs. They also have the benefit of the positive karma of being an inspiration to others. Being an inspiration to others. So if, for instance, uh, I, I know not everybody likes to listen to the community calls. I understand that. I personally, I love to listen to them. They inspire me tremendously. And uh, um, some people think, oh, I don't have time for that. That's totally understandable. It's totally understandable. Um, in those calls, if you do listen to them and you don't share because you can't get there at that time, it's not convenient for you or whatever, 
hold in consciousness as you listen to every single person share the highest possibility of light within them is bursting through it's their god self is in charge that whatever the appearance is it's falling away in them and in you and in all such a powerful opportunity to stop judging anyone and everyone so fourth dimension is the dimension of thought some people refer to it as glamour okay and you might understand why that word glamour so thought i'll explain the dimension of thought ernest holmes <clears throat> uh called it the subjective mind and uh the every thought that's ever been thunk <laughs> It rests in that fourth dimension. It's there. And the more we collectively think a, the same thought, the stronger it seems to be in the fourth dimension because more people are agreeing with it by thinking it. doesn't matter whether the thought is something like um, Americans are greedy or whether the thought is Americans are peace-loving. You know, the more that people think a thought and believe it, the stronger energy it has in the fourth dimension. So, for instance, we are all intuitive or psychic to some degree. So, when you're, to me, this is how I define it, someone who is an intuitive someone who uh, is, well, an intuitive is reading truth. Someone who is psychic is reading from the fourth dimension, which are our thoughts. Our thoughts are not truths. Sometimes we think thoughts that are true, but very often our thoughts are opinions, judgments, what we're wishing, what we're hoping, what we're fearing, what we're craving, needing, wanting. Think of all your thoughts. So the thoughts are held in this fourth dimension. What's true is fifth dimension and above. Third dimension is density. It's our thought brought into form. So we're purifying and we're raising our vibration from the density of form into the purity of truth. Truth is true. It's not a belief system. It's truth. That's why it liberates us. That's why the truth sets us free. So um, we all tune into each other's thoughts and feelings. And it's easy for all of us to see how Oh, yeah, when I'm, a, I, I, I think, you know, um, 
a good example, and I've told this story before, so I'll just tell it really briefly. So I've told the story before that Michael Beckwith talked about in one of the classes I took with him where he had a ministerial class that he was teaching, let's say 10 or 15 people, and one, one person in the class kept agitating the other students, picking fights, disagreeing, creating disharmony in the room. And one week he wasn't there. And so the student said, River Michael, can you please talk to that student and do something? He's always so agitating to all of us. We don't like it. Can you please make it go away, basically? And River Michael said, don't you see what's happening? He doesn't feel good about himself. So he agitates the room to get you to dislike him and disagree with him and to have a fight. And then he validates his belief that he's not, there's something wrong with him. He's not good. He's bad. He's wrong. And you're going along with him because he is more convicted of his beliefs than you are of yours. You could believe that he's perfect, whole, and complete, that he is the living, breathing representative of the Christ. And that would transform him. But you're not convicted in that belief. But he is convicted in his belief that he's not good enough. And so, in a sense, he wins. If you don't like how he's acting, know the truth about him and he will stop. Now, I'm kind of adding more into the story, but because of what I've learned over the many years since I've heard that story um, back in the 90s. And I can tell you it's true. I've demonstrated it probably thousands of times in my life. By, and I've demonstrated it both sides. So I have felt badly about myself. I've alienated people. And I've gotten them to basically say, you're bad, you're wrong, you're not worth it, you're not worth loving, you're no good. I don't like you. You make me sick. You don't deserve love. I've had people project that at me because it was what I believed. And then I felt vindicated. See, it's true. I am totally unlovable. And I've done it on the other side where people felt totally unworthy and unlovable and were out to prove it. And they wanted to get me to agree with them. They wanted to piss me off and they wanted to provoke me or make me feel sorry for them, feel that they're pathetic, that they're hopeless that there's no hope for them, that they're bad, they're wrong, they're unlovable, in a million different ways. We've all experienced both aspects of this drama, right? So in that story, the next week, the student came in, he started agitating, and the class became convicted of knowing the truth about him. And he couldn't stand it. He left the room. He couldn't handle it. He had to leave the room. But then he came back. And he came back and he was crying. And he said, I've never felt so much love in my life. 
wow, you folks really love me. He tried to agitate them and they wouldn't have it. Now, you see, you can't do that if you don't really feel it in your heart. You can't pretend. You won't get a healing if you're just pretending. It's better than nothing. You know, but that's why we call upon the Spirit. Help me now. <laughs> Help me be the loving, patient, kind person I aspire to be. That is my true nature. It is my true beingness. Let me be my true self now in this situation. So if you'd like to be your true self, then recognize everything that pushes your buttons is there to help you. It is there to help you. And if you doubt that you can do it, recognize that doubt is like a vermin. It's like a pestilence. It's like an illness. Refuse it. Do not let it in. And that's what Miles was demonstrating to us. Don't let it in your temple. It blocks your healing it blocks your awakening. It blocks your good. That's what doubt is for. Don't let it in. Just say, get thee behind me. Remember, remember that complaining literally draws negativity to you. Like attracts like. If you are vibrating with complaints, with judgments, poor me, why me? you're going to draw to you people who are like-minded. You're going to draw to you experiences that prove what you believe. This world has no choice. You are the living, loving presence of God. And what you declare into being, I am miserable. I am not worth loving. I'm terrible at this. I, I don't know how. I can't do it. Whatever you declare, it has to come into form unless you interrupt it and shift it. I am willing to know my God self. I am willing to have a healing. I am willing to have a revelation of truth. You see, we have revelations of truth in our mind, and they are so purifying. And if you love God, if you love the truth, even a little bit, and you open your heart to it, you make a home for it, it will reveal itself to you. So your consistency builds momentum. It builds that fire. I am eternally grateful for all the blessings that are mine to receive, and I am receiving them now. So we're amping up the deep desire of our heart, which is totally different from gratification and pleasure. It's completely different. And I think we all know the difference. All right. Any questions about that? All right, I am going to play a song, and it is, oh, Deb's raising their hand again. Hang on. Deb. Hi. Hi. So, third dimension, our thought is brought into form. Mm -hmm. 
fourth dimension is our thought. Well, fourth dimension, if you could imagine uh, a place where all your thoughts are residing. Right. So it's sort of like the Akashic Record, but that would be really in the fifth dimension? Yeah, Akashic Record is not, it's, it's, it really contains a record of our, our beingness. The Akashic Record doesn't contain, it, it would, it, the Akashic Record for people who don't know, I would encourage people to do their own research. Um, so the Akashic Records are like the book of life that would include everything that's ever happened to you, everything you've ever done, every choice that you've ever made. And it would also include your script, the potential. Remember, of course, the miracles says that everything has already gone by and we're just reviewing it. It's pretty hard for us to understand or comprehend that. But if you can recognize that there's only the eternal now and the past and the future are all happening simultaneously. There is no... There's actually linear time is a total illusion. It doesn't exist. So right, I, I get that, and that's uh, linear is third dimension, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And then um, fifth dimension is if fourth dimension. I'm just trying to look at past things I've learned and bring it to a deeper place and I've heard about psychic reading our thoughts which is fourth dimension mm-hmm. so then people that actually read Akashic Records are in the fifth dimension or do you have any thoughts on that? Or Yeah, people who are reading from the Akashic Records, they've trained their mind to the vibrational frequency of the Akashic Records yeah, to uh, 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 I, 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 would the are the akashic records in the fifth dimension or a higher dimension above fifth? I, I never thought about it, so I've never mm-hmm. never made any inquiry about that. And really, this course then is helping us sort of get through the fourth dimension, get past our thoughts to the truth of who we are, which is fifth dimension. Or higher. Yeah, it's really uh, a massive living is about recognizing the value of purifying our attention so that we're only focused on the truth and what's real, what's eternal, what's everlasting, our God self, our God nature, and the spiritual qualities. That's why there's a whole lot in the workbook about recognizing the spiritual qualities such as joy, love, freedom, peace, creativity, wisdom, clarity, harmony. These spiritual qualities are like the colors of the rainbow, the different spectrums of light that are our true nature. So when our mind is pure, then we can focus intently on wisdom, joy, peace, harmony, and we'll be experiencing all those vibrations all the time. 
we when we have a fifth dimensional awareness we won't experience any misery suffering mistakes because our thoughts will be completely pure and pristine we won't have any judgments or opinions anymore it's up to us to decide whether or not we're going to choose to invest our attention and which is the God mind. Are we investing our God self in energizing opinions and judgments which aren't true? Or are we interested in the truth, which is everyone is love and everyone is joy and everyone is peace and the good of God is in everything? all the time so the fourth dimension can is in a sense it's where all the the thoughts that we've ever thunk are there it's not a world of truths just like the third dimension is a world of illusion fourth dimension is a world of thought and fifth dimension is the truth. And so we, we purify our mind. We came into this human experience as fifth dimensional beings, awakened beings. And we actually moved into choosing to value which wasn't true. And it was so painful to us that we closed our hearts and shut ourselves off from our loving nature. But, you know, and we can say, well, that was so stupid, we were so selfish, what was wrong with us? But it's really just we chose experience in order to learn from it and explore it. And it got so much denser than we could ever, ever have imagined. But we're at the tail end of it, and we're emerging back into our true nature as fifth-dimensional beings, moving ever more towards higher and higher expressions uh, and revelations of perfection and beauty and truth that's our destiny and nothing will stop us from reaching that we can only slow it down so massive living is about choosing to work collectively to purify and be our true selves and express the joy and the beauty and the wisdom and the clarity and, and to help lead humanity into this golden age of awakening. Not just to to have more happiness, but to be a, awakened beings. Mm -hmm. Does that help? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I totally understand people's interest in these uh, kinds of things like, oh, different dimensions, Akashic Records. And so I also encourage people, do your own research. See where your God self leads you. That's what I did. Okay. And in the Masterful Living classes, I share with you the books that I was led to. And one of the things that I learned along the way is not to be attracted to phenomena and and things like um, bilocation and um, 
Like I know people that have studied things like um, levitation, and they know how to levitate, but they're they're not happy. Well, learning how to levitate isn't going to make you happy. So I I I in the massive living we keep it pretty focused on being loving and releasing the judgments because to me that is the the thing that I come back to all day every day that is revealing a life of joy and clarity and opening my mind so i've i've just never gotten interested in things that are too esoteric and two is probably a judgmental word, but all right, Deb, we're way past our time here. Thank you, and please ask more questions. Thank you, too. I appreciate it. Yeah, so good. All right, so I've got a song and a prayer, a prayer and a song, uh, and uh, maybe I'll do a dance while the song is playing, so there'll be a dance there for you in the invisible. <laughs> You see, the more we purify, the more lighthearted we get. It's really lovely. Okay. Let's take that breath of love and gratitude. Be so grateful and so thankful for this collective Masterful Living community. We are receiving all the benefits of every single person's effort and willingness we are joining together. We are riding this collective wave of awakening, of healing. We partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self, with the I am that I am, to remember the truth about ourselves and everyone else. We are grateful and thankful to give the Holy Spirit the heavy lifting. We're not interested in allowing doubt to enter in anymore. We are willing to know the truth that sets us free, and we are willing to have a revelation and to hold on to it and to live in the revelation. In grace and gratitude, we joyfully let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 The song I'm going to play today is another one of the songs from the Agape Choir. It's one of the ones that I used to love to sing so much. It just, I used to, still, I still will sing it and listen along and sing. And I can tell you that back in the 90s, even before I became a member of the choir, um, there were a few years where I was in grad school in the mid-90s when I first moved to Los Angeles, and I didn't have time to be a part of the choir yet. And uh, I found myself, I was driving in L.A. all the time. It was like I was in a constant driving meditation. But what it did was it gave me an opportunity to listen to um, Michael Beckwith and to sing these songs. And I would drive around because uh, I would spend a couple of hours a day driving in traffic at least. And I would sing these songs in the privacy of my car at the top of my lungs with tears running down my face. And there was no song that was more 
motivational or inspiring to me than this one. And this is the live version from that Spirit Says to Sing double live CD set. Um, so it's the Agape International Choir singing a song by Michael Beckwith and Ricky Byers Beckwith. And it's called Had a Revelation. Let's take a deep breath while Otis Freeman shows you what's next. Oh, 